Oh, hello. Hello, hello hey. Jaber. Uh, thanks. Thanks for coming in. How, how's it? How's it going? How are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm do- I'm doing all right. My I my mind's been kind of like occupado lately. Oh, um, really? Kind of kind of like a like a puzzle box situation going on up on the old bear hat noggin. Oh, isn't that isn't that kind of all how always how it is, huh? Yeah, you know, it's because it's like when there's like conflict between like me and like wants and like people's personal issues but everyone's like relationships to each other like kind of fraud or complicated Mm -hmm. and like especially when you're like a roommate to that situation and like not really like more directly involved in the other people's lives than that but like because you're a roommate and a friend to everyone involved you kind of have to be more involved than you really want to be. Mm. It's kind of it's torturous to, you know, to think about. Mm. Yeah. So is, is this something, is this something new with you? Is this something that's happening in your life? Uh, you know, with, oh. like, Oh no, I'm fine. My life is actually perfectly okay. And I have no mental health problems. Um, oh. But I'm thinking back to like when I did, uh, cause I saw the new Hellraiser and it was like white knuckling, upsetting, put me back in the, the sunken place moment uh, when we first meet our protagonists having a fucking argument in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So so you checked out the new the new Hellraiser film. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had to. David Bruckner, director, uh, really yes. loved the ritual, really loved the the night house. Uh, I really like, loved uh, the signal. Like, yeah, like the signal, like his short in VHS, probably the only one that still holds up from that. Um, don't really remember what his was in Southbound. That one was kind of mid. Maybe that's not on him though. Maybe that's on the guys, the rest of the guys <laughs> who made Southbound. It's their fault. It's their fault. And you know, we got cunted up Pinhead. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Jamie Clayton. I gotta, I gotta see, I gotta check that out. Yeah, that's, that's good. It's just, it's just good is the thing about it. Who I did not know was also in the snowman. Funny. Um, oh, I knew. I remember. <laughs> I didn't forget. <laughs> who, is she the, is she the sisters? The twin sisters who are played by the same actress? In the snowman? No, she's like yeah. a, um... God, she's like oh, a lawyer or a private investigator yes. or something. No, I remember because when she when that popped out, I was like, "Hold on, <laughs> I forgot." <laughs> she's like such a minor character in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember her now. She's in uh, Sense Eight, The L Word, Generation Q. She's oh, she's fantastic. She's great, uh, and she's really good in this. Although I I did kind of wish that like it's I I both wish they gave her more, but also it's like in the Hellraiser series giving hellraiser more leads to like the third movie where he just like is in a church and he just has like a fucking fit like i hate jesus <laughs> over um so like i guess like theoretically like it's good she didn't do more but like i wanted <laughs> i wanted her to do more she i thought i thought her jig uh, her jigsaw i thought her pinhead looked really good and she had a really cool delivery uh for the character Mm-hmm. Um, it, which actually, like, as someone who also like really likes the first two Hellraisers, I did go back and rewatch them uh, after I watched this. Uh huh. 
Um, I I kind of like her delivery of Pinhead's lines more. I I do agree. I think the original Pinhead design is more iconic. A lot of the Cenobite designs, of this one, like have some really cool decisions, but also kind of look like a like the skin suit thing looks a little weird. I we could touch on that in a bit. Sure. Um, but like, yeah, I think if they got it, the they got not Doug Winger. That's the furry guy, the guy who plays Pinhead <laughs> in the originals. I think if they got Doug him back Bradley. to do it, Doug, yeah, if he came back to do it. I I think he would have been a little too cheesy. Well, he's he's very cheesy. Doug Bradley has been with the franchise um through through thick and not necessarily through thin. Uh he kind of dropped out when I mean like they made a a Hellraiser movie in 2011 that is allegedly so fucking awful and has just some guy playing Pinhead. Uh Yeah. Who who looks really funny as Pinhead because it is just some guy. Uh, and, uh, it's, you know, and he's, so he's been through some of the sillier, uh, things. I mean, like, he's, you know, Hellraiser 3 is pretty fucking out there already. Uh, And it doesn't, it doesn't seem to get that much better throughout the kind of rest of the franchise there. Uh, yeah, Hellraiser is pretty, pretty... Uh, a huge long-running franchise that I don't know really anyone ever talked about beyond the third one and the MMO one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and no one talks about the MMO one like as a film. They talk about it as like, oh yeah, there's that one where it's an MMO. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty fucking weird, but oh yeah. well. Yeah, I love that though. I think that's great. Um, uh, yeah, maybe he's just reflective of a sort of cornier, older, uh, side of Hellraiser, if, if you know. It's, it's a, it, it, it's a time, it's like a thing where it's like, I, I guess a better way to put it is that it's like, if they were to remake Freddy, like Nightmare on Elm Street like this, which to be clear, they fucking shouldn't. That movie series is perfect at the way it is. Um, <laughs> You know, you couldn't necessarily have Robert England playing the same kind of Freddy because the original Freddy is like a wisecracker. Or if you did have him do that, you'd need to do it in a different style because uh, that's one of the reasons why he seems really weird in Freddy versus Jason is that it's like he kind of stands out a lot weirder in like a mid 2000s like new metal horror film. Yeah. Uh, but you also don't want to make the mistake of the actual Nightmare on Elm Street remake where they have him played by uh, Rorschach and he looks disgusting and not in like a cool horror way, just like a revolting little man. Um, And then they decide to like kind of have him still do the quip thing, Mm -hmm. but they also make him like explicitly a pedophile. Right. Yeah. Which doesn't, does not work. (laughs) Like audiences don't want to come back and see the movie. (laughs) Don't want to come back for the second one. Once you have that in your movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, he's a child killer and there's implications of that in like the original series. But that's like different than just like this guy. He's a pedophile. He's like, <laughs> Come yeah. back to see him again in the second movie. <laughs> uh, your your favorite killer. 
everybody, right? Just dress it, up like it, him. Your favorite character that you love to dress up as is like literally the like one thing that universally across people's like ideologies can agree is like bad. <laughs> it's like Yeah, yeah, that's kind of rough. Uh so yeah, that I mean like I I generally agree there. I think the Jamie Clayton uh pinhead is is really fantastic. Uh but you know, how how does the rest of the movie hold up do you think kind of around this sort of around this sort of tentpole performance? I I think well, I mean if we want to go for the tentpole tent tentpole performance, that would be uh Odessa mm-hmm. um who I recognize from something but I could not place it. Oh, let's uh, see. Yeah, I'm like... I I must have seen just commercials for something she was in. Kind of a breakout perform- role for her, really. She hasn't really been in a lot, it looks like. Right, yeah. Um, But yeah, I, I really liked her performance. I think she plays... Um, so the film is, you know, about a, a shitty recovering drug addict who is kind of fucking up the life of her brother and his boyfriend and the other roommate, which God bless this film for finally depicting what an actual like we're all living in this shitty apartment because we're all broke and we're kind of pulling our rent together situation actually looks like. Right. <laughs> which is which is the couple who has the big bedroom. The one who doesn't pay rent consistently, who has the bedroom with empty pizza boxes on it, and is uncomfortably close to the the kitchen, uh, <laughs> and the other one, <laughs> who's like a friend of theirs, maybe, maybe just like someone they met off Craigslist, but is like chill and like maybe it was even originally her apartment, and so these are just the people she's brought on to the new lease, right. Uh, and then, of course, the gay brother as the 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 one who is kind of the one who keeps the whole household together, the the one definitely on the lease. And so when he's gone, they just don't know what the fuck to do. Um, just perfect understanding of like that, those kinds of dynamics and that kind of roommate situation. And specifically with Odessa. Uh, who's playing Riley, a great performance of just, like, a shitty recovering addict. Mm-hmm. Like, she just... She just kind of sucks, and it's in that way that's, like, yeah, but also, like, uh, both really captures what other people's interactions, if you feel like, if you're in that kind of headspace, where you know, oh, they're all just trying to control me. Uh, But also really captures what that kind of behavior is like, which is extremely selfish and impulsive (laughs) and, like, constantly self-justifying, even when you're in a stage of recovery. Yeah. Yeah, I I thought that her performance was really spectacular. Um, And as much as I, like, uh, you know, I thought the film was okay. For some reason, David Bruckner's work kind of i I bounce off of it a little bit um all of his features the ritual of the nighthouse hellraiser i feel i feel similarly about all of them were like the whole picture i just feel very uh kind of ambivalent about i guess mm. uh and i i 
know if I can I don't I don't know if I can back that up. <laughs> and anyway, I guess it's just like a kind of a style thing. Uh but I you know, it it this movie was interested in her. It was interested in her character uh in those kind of self-defeating uh th those sort of self-defeating behaviors that she was uh succumbing to and uh really in her like suffering which is good for a film that is like talking about suffering you know yeah no and the the attraction to suffering mm -hmm. and, uh, and, her... and and hedonism and etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah hedonism instant gratification stuff like that yeah, that stuff is uh, that stuff was really really good, and I, I even I even would go so far to say is like I, I liked a lot of the art design choices. Um, you know, as as much as like I I I I definitely like I didn't dislike the movie. Um, yeah, I just something something about the pacing or just like the way that it I, I don't know. But uh, my other my other major compliment is that like the moving sets and like all of the art design and all of that stuff was uh really awesome and I, I i do still remember the image of her like a big hole opening up in her chest and a bunch of chains flying out oh god that was that was so good i think i, I think what i like about bruckner's films is that visually he's got such a good grasp on like this sort of uncanny and the sort of like intrusions into the of the of the unfamiliar and horrific into the familiar because uh -huh. that's like a defining thing of like his big three features right is like the ritual is like these these camping things these guys are going camping and they're being stalked by some sort of thing and there's just a lot of really good sequences of like them hallucinating or having flashbacks but they're melding into the forest so you end up with these uncanny things of like the guy running through the woods and then he's running through a convenience store that aisle that kind of appears in the woods in a way that like looks like it's supposed to be there but yeah. clearly isn't yeah 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 that uh, stuff was cool the night house with the whole the use of the uh um the the visual effect where you you see a face or a person shape in a thing that isn't but using that as like a malevolent force right uh, and then this, where it's like, you know, reality shifting and bending in these ways to allow these things. He's really good at that. And I think he has a strong visual grasp on stuff like that. I think I can see where he a lot of people lose his stuff is that he kind of has like tonally a really big like part of himself in the sort of rung well dry, like rung dry well of trauma metaphor horror. Mm hmm. But yeah. he has, for me, the thing that ties it together is that he has enough of a of a back foot on like horror that he understands that ultimately the thing that's scary isn't trauma in a horror film. That 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 gives the affect that you want. The thing that's scary is a monster that's going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, like. Nighthouse is probably his most like trauma core film in that regard with stupid fucking ending reveal of what the thing is. Um, but, you know, this the scary thing of that comes from the thing itself, not what it represents. Uh -huh. The scary thing in Ritual isn't that it represents like dread or regret. It's that it's a fucked up like God demon that lives in the woods. And the scary thing in, in, in this film is it, you know, that the Cenobites are a metaphor for addiction? 
it's that the Cenobites are like, yeah, dude, don't you, like, want to be, like, tortured forever? Like, isn't that, like, sick? <laughs> do you not like our, per- do you not like our perpetual nerve grinding machine? <laughs> what? You said you wanted some freaky shit. Now you're complaining. You're you complaining like, that we made a hurdy-gurdy me- out of your intestines. You, like, came up to me, the gal with needles in my face, and said, give me something that feels really good. What? Did you think I was going to give you a hand job? What the fuck do you... (laughs) Hey, I'll give you some kind of job. A job at the... My nerve endings are being woven into a tapestry factory. That's the job. So so funny to have the, the villain's motivation ultimately just be... I thought they were going to suck my shit's crazy style. (laughs) (laughs) I thought they were about to, like, do stuff with my balls I never even thought of. Yeah. (laughs) They were going to, like, my prostate, just gone. (laughs) And then it's just like, no, we're we're torture demons. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't even do anything with my balls or my dick or my ass. What's Uh, the deal? It was so fun watching it with my boyfriend because he like the second the the Leviathan showed up, which is the thing that's introduced in the original Hellraiser 2. He's like, I'm so glad that they're touching on like the weird lore of the series, but also get that like it's not that you should be explaining the lore. It's just that like this weird implication of like, yeah, the the Cenobites act on behalf of a god that is a really long triangle. (laughs) Uh, And they come from a region where... uh, (laughs) <laughs> they come from the it's good actually realm <laughs> where yeah. where horrible torturing pain is good actually <laughs> uh you know they come from the hamburgers eat people and dogs walk humans world <laughs> <laughs> and it's opposite day every day uh, how do they get anything done over there uh, uh, i mean uh, Obviously, they don't. They see, like, considering the fact that their whole plan was almost sabotaged, their entire, like, like, ancient mystical, like, plan was sabotaged by just, like, a security gate. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like, that's another thing about this film that I think is, um, I don't know, maybe gonna age poorly or something like that. The, the Cenobites, they just, they, like, their physicality and the way that they're so like they do home alone shit with the Cenobites, <laughs> which I don't know how I really feel about. Like I, I, it, it renders them a little bit less scary in a way that makes them feel less effective for me personally. Um, but you know, it, it's I don't know. There's 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 just a lot of silliness. I don't think silliness is completely out of place. Uh, I mean, but, yeah, it's, and that's it. Having again, having rewatched the first two, like, there's there's a lot of silly stuff in those. Yeah. Um. There's that great shot in the second one of uh, oh, I'm blanking on her name, but uh, the character who comes back from hell and she's just smoking, completely skinless, wearing a white suit. No oh, God, yeah. And just smoking a cigarette. Such a fucking oh, great scene. That's so good. Um. But yeah, I. I I, I can definitely see that. I, I guess to me, it's like the thing that I find interesting about the Cenobites as horror characters is that they are clearly constrained by some sort of rules and laws, but what those are are completely inscrutable. 
Yeah. So, like, the security gates thing works because it's, like, he clearly researched it enough to engrave something on it that, like, renders them powerless or, like, they must act on behalf of it. But, like, the characters that we're watching the film through, like, they don't know what the fuck that is. They're just like, <laughs> oh, okay, I guess the security gate stops them from coming in. I don't know why. <laughs> I guess it just works on the uh, the otherworldly beings from Planet Fuck. Uh, uh, speaking of the Cenobites, uh, I... What what did you think of them overall? I'm very sad that Butterball wasn't here. I I am also extremely sad that Butterball wasn't here, and I felt like it was cheating to, in his place, give us two versions of uh, Deep Throat from the original. That's the one with the, the gashed open throat, where they just kind of do her thing, but then they do her thing, but it's like breath play. Mm, oh, yeah. <laughs> with the, the one with the, the flesh... Uh, stretched over it uh, a lot of people i see have complained about like oh but it's not leather you know like it's missing that that s&m you know 80s horny thing but i i feel like i don't know i feel like the s&m aesthetic is like so fashion now oh yeah absolutely that like i think it just wouldn't read the same way i think it would just read as just like runway looks Mm -hmm. so i like that kind of in keeping with the same tradition of like well what would be a more modern version of like extreme s&m from the 80s which would be like extreme body mod culture yeah uh because like that's that's kind of what a lot of their design like some of it doesn't quite work but like there's like one of them has like the things on their head that clearly are supposed to kind of look like the uh the implants under the dermis that people will get on their heads there's the like skin stretching. I want to say one of them has the like ribbon through the back uh, muscles kind of thing. Mm. Very, very obvious, like extreme body mod, uh, which which does dovetail with like a lot of extreme kink nowadays. Yeah. Um, there's the the roommate who gets killed, and it's really obviously like shot in a way that is supposed to invoke like suspension bondage, which usually goes hand in hand with like extreme body mod people mm-hmm. uh, so I, I and i really like that because it's like that that absolutely works for like the the updated version of these characters you know you want to invoke that sort of titillating to your your average person thing but like nudge nudge wink winking to the to the true freaks in the audience um and like come on the the needle in the throat thing where it's like Oh, like one good note held forever. That sucks. You wanna you wanna tune it, and he's like manually cranking like the the pitch of her scream with a needle through her throat. There, there's no way a generation of Fujoshi's on Tumblr aren't gonna just be like drawing that <laughs> <laughs> with your OCs for the next like ten years. Yeah, that's pretty good. That stuff's pretty good. Uh, yeah, like that, I I think it's just that it's it's tuned to a different horny than people um, who think of themselves as as being cool because they're into uh, fairly normal now kinks. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not tuned into the ones they're used to, and so I feel like a lot of them are like, "Oh, it's this one's not as horny," and it's like, I mean, I'm sure your parents said that about the '80s one. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure they didn't think it was horny either. <laughs> Right, right, yeah. Uh yeah, I don't yeah, it seems there's kind of a low rumbling uh, disagreement on the the horny level of Hellraiser and, you know, kind of uh 
kind of what it what it the that subtle sort of change from from I guess the original. Uh, yeah, it it seems. It seems like it's going hard in the direction of that body mod stuff. Or, or I don't know, it's like, that was always the thing with Hellraiser. It was like, oh, you are pierced by hooks and you are flayed alive and, you know, uh, jibbed, essentially. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I... I don't know, I, I gotta revisit, I gotta revisit older stuff in the series. I also really kind of want to check out the Hell, Hellbound Heart by Clive Barker uh, in the first oh, place. Oh, yeah. No, I really should check out the original book at some point. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was, um, I, I was watching Hellraiser 2022, Hulu Hellraiser, which I think is what it's going to be colloquially referred to as, uh, and... They really should have just given it, like, a subtitle. <laughs> Hellraiser Reborn. Hellraiser Redux. Hellraiser X. I don't think they've had an X in the franchise yet. They can oh, get yeah. away with it. Yeah. Like Jason X. Uh, yeah. I was watching with somebody who is a little bit more familiar with uh, the, Hell the Hellbound Heart. Um, and they seem to kind of have issues generally with the characterizations of the Xenobites. I think in the original, they're usually more... Um, kind of uh more willing to be more willing to like ameliorate to somebody's like uh requests or whatever or like kind of make deals with people and stuff like that whereas i, I don't know it, it it seemed a little bit inconsistent with the philosophy of the book but i also think that the other hellraiser movie was a little inconsistent with the philosophy of the book i mean yeah i know it, it was like in the first like in the second one one of the big motivations of the, the character in Hellraiser is that they're like, the Cenobites are pissed at her because they're like, no more fucking deals. Like, <laughs> like we're not doing any deals with you anymore. It's <laughs> like she only gets out of getting tortured forever because she's like, oh, my uncle who sucks escaped from hell. And they were like, no one escapes from hell. Yeah. And like, fine, prove it and we won't kill you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I I don't know that that was a vague sort of uh, complaint, I guess, um, to be had. But I mean, like, it's not like I fucking know shit about shit. I have not watched the original Hellraiser movies in a little while, and uh, have never read a single Clive Barker thing. Though I did watch, uh, fuck, what's it called? Nightbreed. Nightbreed is really good. <laughs> Oh yeah, I haven't. I need to watch that one. It's been a minute. Everybody watch Nightbreed. Nightbreed's a great fucking movie. It's unbelievable. Uh, I was for a while playing the completely unrelated the Clive Barker video game, not Jericho. Oh god, Sorry. I was gonna the, ask. Uh, Undying, the other one. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, how is it? It's very. It's like very like that weird uh, like Quake Three era of like gaming so far. Uh, I need to go back and pick it up. It's very fun. There's a cheat code you can enter that spawns horse, uh, spawns cows into the room. Ooh, that sounds that sounds great. I thought it was extremely fucking bold in a cool way to like immediately kill off the brother. Uh huh. Like it that was that that actually kind of like threw me off. I was like, oh wow, okay. Because like it makes sense where it's like that's her motivation. Yeah, but to do it in a way that like you as the audience can kind of tell immediately like, oh, he's not coming back. 
was like, <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> that's kind of crazy that they set this guy up like he's going to be like a mate. Like, you know, like you expect maybe like the boyfriend does it. And so it's like she feels guilty because she got his boyfriend killed. But no, it's like the only people who survive are like uh, Riley and her brother's boyfriend, Trevor, who apparently just like they don't really they don't like they don't have a dynamic really together. Their kind of dynamic is just defined by both of them surviving this. Yeah. Like their dynamic was always kind of articulated through the the brother slash boyfriend character. Uh-huh. Uh, so to kill him off like immediately, I was like, that's like a pretty bold like direction to take this kind of narrative because it also immediately sets it that like no one else in their group is going to like no one else in the group like has any similar bonds to her like they all don't like her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a really great place to be putting your main character in uh, kind of, you know, from the get go. Yeah, is is not only is she responsible for the disappearance slash death of like one of the few people she's super close to with, which great metaphor again, great, great metaphor narrative prediction. Um mm-hmm. but also it puts her in the position where like the only people left around her to help her with that situation are people who are pissed at her for for that. Yeah. <laughs> are people who only see her as having caused it and making the situation work. Uh, worse and a and a skeezy enabler uh who turns out to have kind of a dumb twist turns out to be working to be in on it the whole time um yeah that was that was a pretty goofy i i thought that was a really weak twist like it was a thing where it's supposed to make you go like oh that's why he was like let's get rid of it immediately and why he knew all this stuff and why he believed her so quickly but it's like I don't know, that just kind of makes him, like, that makes his motivations, like, weaker. <laughs> like, his, his motivations are much more interesting when he's kind of also, like, a fucked up, like, addict dude. And he's just like, yeah, I believe you, because I'm also insane. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't love his character. Um, yeah, it's it's really, like, the main four that kind of had the biggest impact the ones that i remember the most really from the movie is like her her brother his boyfriend and like nora because of her very memorable sort of arc and death scene um yeah i don't know that that stuff is kind of it's kind of hit or miss but uh what did you think of the weird new puzzle box that uh is like a multi-shape that so funny i i'm sure that that's like a thing in like the rest of the the movies because in the so in the second one it does turn into the leviathan uh-huh. but it like turns into that as like a weapon if i remember correctly mm. um there's like weird lore in that one and this kind of like changes it and builds off it so like but the the thing where it's like it's like impossible to solve only those of iq 180 can fix this can solve this puzzle box that that was very funny but i was like okay i guess that's like i I, i'll wait to take this also the like you have to sacrifice uh sacrifice and solve my puzzle six in order to (laughs) to summon the the big the big stone that will grant you one of six wishes but be careful they might have a little twist and who knows (laughs) Maybe future films, we can see what the other options bring. Eh? Oh. Uh, but making is... lament and life a metaphor 
at the or like not a metaphor, but it's like the the different configurations rep- represent the different wishes, and lament being the default one where you start over at the beginning, basically. Right. I really like because it's like all of this is for nothing, but it's to get you back to the beginning, but with everything that you've lost still in place, uh, mm. and to have gained nothing, which is like. A good, a good existential slash uh, d- dramatic theme of horror in that regard is that the only thing she can really uh, fight all this way for is to just go back to things being normal, but uh, all the people she's killed are still dead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's good. You, you can't undo it. You can only progress back to a sense of normalcy. Yeah, kind of simply have to live with it, uh, you know, kind of manage your grief around it, fun- try to continue moving and functioning. Uh, uh, it was very funny that Pinhead was just like, wow, you chose the stupidest one. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that one sucks. <laughs> wow, you chose the most fail and cringe configuration. Well, okay. Wow, I think all the other prizes are really good, but that one's dumb. Guilt doesn't even feel good. It sucks. <laughs> oh god. That's really good. Yeah, I mean, good good characterization. Good way for her to just be like I don't know, kind of kind of slightly judgmental in those moments. Yeah. We finally have a good horror film about Jeffrey Epstein. Oh my god. It, yeah, it was kind of about a guy, like a guy basically hiring like underage sex workers or some shit like that, right? Yeah, yeah, basically being like so rich and powerful and enmeshed in like scandal and corruption, but like getting away with it because he can blackmail people that he's just perpetually chasing like newer and newer highs at the expense of an exploitation of, of usually sex workers uh-huh. uh, and implicitly like underage ish people uh because like the the person that he kills at the start of the film i feel like is was definitely cast to be kind of like ambiguous about how old they are yeah (laughs) but like not enough so that it's like explicitly stated that like this is like an underage teenager he struck me as like a euphoria teen you know yeah yeah no yeah exactly that like like the the sort of a teenager played by an adult character. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I I I really liked that. I really liked that, like, the reveals that the thing he chose wasn't even power like you would expect. It was pleasure because he's already got all the power in the world that he thought he'd want. Mm-hmm. But now that he realizes that, like, oh, your guys' idea of power of pleasure is fucked up. <laughs> Unlike my ideas of pleasure, <laughs> which are <laughs> normal and good. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah. But yeah, like the second like it showed her like researching and like Googling and finding all these articles and like putting pieces together. I was just like, oh, my God, this is literally this is literally the Epstein Hellraiser. God. Yeah, this is a better Epstein movie than that uh, Epstein movie that the podcasters made. Uh, I don't mm, don't even I don't even want to. Nope. I don't. I don't want to think. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> it's a, a bye bye man situation. If you say it and think it, they'll appear. Yeah. <laughs> Someone will mention. appear on on Letterbox to call you the arsler. Oh my god! 
Uh, yeah, I don't need any more of that in my life. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I, I thought the logic of it, or, or, I, yeah, I don't know, the, it's, it's gotten pretty easy to have, like, rich guy, bad guy, uh, and as far as, like, a bad guy, this rich guy, I, I don't know, there was some, there was a lot, a lot psychologically happening here, especially with the ending, uh, which I actually, I actually generally liked, I thought the ending was kind of cute. You know that you get to see that. Oh, him him being uh, tortured into a cenobite. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, no, I I thought that was really good. Also, another thing that's kind of like lifted from. Uh, honestly, this film takes a lot more from Hellraiser two than it does from Hellraiser one. Really? Uh, yeah, but the first Hellraiser one is honestly kind of like a slow burn. Like everyone yeah. remembers the like Jesus wept thing, but like outside of the opening scene like honestly like not that much happens that people think of when they think of hellraiser for yeah. like a, for a good chunk of the film hellraiser one has uh, about 30 seconds of cinnabite screen time in total i i, I a li- little more but not that much more <laughs> <laughs> um and then in hellraiser 2 it even has a similar sort of antagonist who gets turned into a cinnabite only in that one he's uh like the head doctor at an insane asylum who is like using his patients for like experiments to unlock the cube which is like also a really good use of the hellraiser metaphor (laughs) for uh corrupt powerful individuals oh yeah yeah that's you know that's just real i i also think it's funny and crazy that you can stab the Cenobites with the fucking puzzle box and they are counted as like a sacrifice. That that was like such a thing too where I was like are they just like giving her that? Because like I, I remember <laughs> that like there is like a thing where it's like a certain configuration turns it into a weapon and then you can kill them with it. Yeah. I, I, I remember but like that kind of like I'm like I, I do like that they acknowledge her logic being, well, that has to work again. And uh, I, I like that rather than answering whether or not it does, it just they just move on. <laughs> like, it just gets interrupted before they can do that because it's like extremely funny that it's like, well, yeah, I guess it makes sense that her thought would be like, well, what happens if I stab one of them with it? And like the answer, they, they, they seem to be like, uh, I guess, I guess well... that counts. <laughs> Sure, fuck it, right? Uh, again, the whole like they they seem bound by rules. Like the the chatterer seems very like. I mean, I don't think it should, but like I guess those are the rules of the game. Yeah, sure. <laughs> he seems so he's so resigned to it, and he's just like, oh shit, what what did you just do? Yeah, he's like, wow, it, in literally hundreds of thousands of years, no one has ever done that. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody has ever tried that for some reason. Damn, respect. And then all of a sudden a bunch of chains yeah. <laughs> fly into frame and he's exploded. Uh well I, I, well yeah, just uh is this one's this this appointment's getting covered by your insurance again, right? Oh no, I'm on my roommate's insurance. Okay. So are so you're registered under their under their name, I guess? Uh it's uh no it's it's this uh it's called lament oh okay <laughs> it's like one of those weird ones you get through your job oh god yeah i've i've ugh, i've worked with lament they're 
Yeah. They're torture to deal with. Ah. Uh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween, everybody. Woo! <laughs>